0: Hello. Hi, Tania. <laughs> so I'm guessing I don't have to say my name.
1: Well, I'm Ashley.
0: And as Ashley stated, I'm Tania.
1: <laughs> You're listening to another episode of... Who I Do.
0: The podcast that is
1: going to talk about marriage after slavery.
0: Why are we so goofy today? Because I I thought you were going to
1: start saying something and then you just didn't talk at all. (laughs) So I'm like, all right, (laughs) let me chime in real quick. (sighs) Another great episode. Another great episode. episode.
0: Man, I really feel like this this episode, like it could have gone on for much longer just because of how much stuff we learned. We did. You're right.
1: It was great. Again, you know, there's so much that we don't know that weren't in our history books growing up. And that wasn't taught in school. And even in Black History Month, when we were able to learn about our history for a little bit, it was very, it was what white people wanted us to know. You know, everything that didn't paint them too badly and not to say that all white people we know we know but seriously like there's so much of our history that we're just not aware of because nobody was recording this information nobody was publicly sharing this information and especially when we're in the age where critical race theory is a whole topic and the fact that slavery in this whole horrible Time in our lives is not being covered in schools because people don't want their feelings hurt. You know, episodes like this are so important.
0: And I do think that when you enter into college, depending on where you go, um, there are some African-American history classes that, you know, you can take. However, there's only so much that you can learn in one semester. And so if you're not a history major, you know, usually, you know, that class is, is an elective. And so you learn whatever you can learn within that three-month period, and then you kind of move on to the next class, unless you're really, really dedicated and you want to continue to take more classes. However, a lot of these majors aren't set up that way. So, of course, we can also do our own research on our ends, Um, but I think this episode definitely gives us a lens as to what was going on during that time period by a really dope historian. We know that you're going to enjoy this episode, especially if you've enjoyed all of our other ep- episodes during this month of February. Enjoy.
1: We have a very, very special guest with us today. Guess, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Hello, everyone. Happy Black History Month. My name is Whitney, better known as The Dopest Historian. I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. Um, I was pursuing my degree at Prairie View A&M University when I created the brand Dopest History. The mission of Dopest History is to highlight the dopest Black history across the diaspora, specifically the stories and people that were omitted in Black history discussions at school. You can follow me on Instagram at dope.itshistory as well as The Dopest Historian
1: with Perfect. the elevator pitch i, I know it. i know <laughs> given the rundown good i love it go go as you are listening pull up instagram and follow it i love it
0: and don't worry because <laughs> she's going to say it again towards the end yes you know? so yes. so if yes. you missed it you got time <laughs> love well, we're it happy to have you on today yes yes we're excited to be here
1: You know, it's Black History Month. It makes sense, Um, and there's just so much about our history that we're not aware of. You know, because it's not taught in schools. A lot of this either you have to rely on grandmamas and granddaddies, and or what they've told their kids. You know, like your mom and dad and things like that. Because yeah, a lot of a lot of our history is is not written or is not documented or is not publicly accessible for any and everyone. So we are super excited to have you today. Perfect. So what got you into history?
2: Um, How did I get into history? I've been loving history since I was a child. Um, But when I started my college career, I actually started in psychology. But once I took a step back and realized, you know, reading has always been my thing and I always love history outside of black history. I love the story of anything and everything. I want to know the history of anything and everything. It's just always interested me. Um, and so that I kind of just started pursuing that at Prairie View. And I realized that in class, I was the only one really like into it, interacting with the teachers, doing things outside of class.
0: And that's when I decided to go ahead and start Dope History. Wow. Like the fact that you were the only person in the class interacting with the teacher and stuff. Like, yeah, no, like seriously. And at the time, honestly, I was a little older
2: than my classmates Mm because I kind of did the corporate thing, came back just about three or four years older than them. So I kind of thought that that was the reason why, because I kind of knew exactly what I was there to do. But yeah, it was interesting to be in the class with history majors, minor African-American studies. And like, they're complaining about the papers and books they were reading. And I'm like, I'm ready. What, what, what's next? What's, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build. Let's get into it. Like, I love <laughs> history. And they, and they kind of, I'm not going to lie. They kind of was like, ugh. Like, I kind of was yeah. that, that, that student. Like, how <laughs> you did you, that? I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I? Cause I used to be the class clown. I'm not going to lie. I'm just like, how did I become this student? Interesting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny because I can only imagine like, here she go again. Answer the <laughs>
2: question. Here
0: she go again. Like class about to be over and here she go raising her hand.
2: <laughs> we're at an HBCU, y'all. How y'all going to be upset that we're getting into the Black history? Like, just, just right. chill. Just chill. <laughs> True. That's True.
1: hilarious. Like, you chose this class. Like... I know. <laughs> you came for this
0: class. Right, right. Uh, but, you I know, back in the day, you know, I didn't really appreciate going mm. to school, learning, not having to work. You know, I didn't really appreciate Responsibilities. It. Yeah, <laughs> your responsibilities. Now I'm just like, you know, like, I don't want to go back to those days now but because I was broke. No, that's real. I don't want to go back to those days because I was, I mean, I wasn't struggling, but you know, I didn't have what I have now. So Yeah. yeah, I didn't really, you know, appreciate it as much as I do today. So I get it.
1: I do too. Well, we are going to start playing a game of this or that, which is a game we play every single week. Basically, you pick between this option or that option, and you explain why. So, I tried to kind of stick a little bit with the theme of what we'll be talking about tonight. So, is my wild, and that's more for Tania because, yes, sometimes these
0: <laughs> you throw me for a loophole. Yeah, okay.
1: Well, mm-hmm. this one should be easy. Um, compared. So like we were saying, you will start first because you are our guest. You'll explain your answer um, after you state which option you'll pick. Then it'll be Tania's turn and then we'll start back over. So to start, would you prefer to get married for stability or get married for love?
2: I would prefer to get married for love. Okay, okay. Because, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm a big love person. Um, I'm all into, you know, the way you love me, the way you care. Um, if it's just strictly on stability, I may lose out on that love. And then you're probably going to lose me because you're not even loving me. So I'm not making you happy. You're not making me happy. It's just really not going to work.
1: Right. Okay. <laughs> That's a very good answer.
0: Tania? I mean, can we do both? I mean, <laughs> Like love and stability because I, you know, there's been some past relationships and now I'm, you know, I'm giving y'all some info about me, but there's been some past relationships where I've been in love, like in love, but the relationship was not stable, like whatsoever. And it wouldn't have lasted the length of time for us to make it to the next level. Mm. So, I mean, honestly, This one, actually, I want to say both. Okay. But I don't think I I can wait. I didn't know that was an option. I (laughs) would have chosen both. I mean, it's really not. (laughs) (laughs) But. (laughs) He couldn't pick. I can't. I can't. Because I need both. Yeah. Like the helpless
1: romantic in you would want the love. But you are a practical person.
0: Exactly. So, And I've been oh so in love. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so in love.
1: I know. I was. But it, just,
0: it just wouldn't have worked. Yeah. <laughs> so now I have both. You know, I'm in love, but also it's stable. So uh, I get I need it. both. I need both. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. I would. <laughs> you want to pick
1: both too? <laughs> I mean, but I know I can't. So I'll just be different from y'all. Just for that one listener out here that's like, you know what? I'm gonna get married for stability. Sure because you can maybe like grow to love someone if they check a box to a certain extent you know like
0: i mean of course maybe. it happens all the time it happens all the time like mm-hmm. uh like arranged marriages you know
1: exactly
0: i mean it's stable and then years later you know they end up loving each other you know mm-hmm. they And there are so many types of soulmates. love mm-hmm. exactly. exactly yeah
1: so, so, I'll go with stability, because I think love can't pay the bills by itself. I don't want to be homeless.) <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, so oh, okay. you gotta no, let me not say that too bad. you, <laughs> I'm, I'm say, oh, you get all say, fans? No, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, no, continue, continue. Okay, anyway. So, round
1: two. Would you prefer to have a bridal corset made of silk or your bridal corset made of velvet?
2: Hmm. Tricky question. Because I like both of them. Um, Well, I'm not going to choose both. What if I did half and half? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. I'm going to choose. I'm going to go with silk. I'm going to go with silk. I want to just feel okay. all nice and silky smooth. Yeah. I'm going to go with the silk. Nice polished look.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, Ania, you going with silk? Um, so if we are in the wintertime, like now, definitely velvet. But if we're in the summer, I'm not going to do that to nobody. <laughs> then I'll go with silk. Well, maybe not. Maybe I'll go with silk during the fall because I know I sweat. And so the silk, you know, you just see all the sweat stains and stuff. Um, but this is just me thinking too deep into the question. So I'm going to go with velvet. Okay, I would too.
1: I love velvet. I also yeah. like silk, but velvet doesn't work in the summer. I was trying to think of the lyric, and um, oh my gosh, I love this song, and it just blanked. I don't know why blank. I can't wait. Leather in the summer, silk in the winter, but that wasn't velvet, so my bad. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I just rem- I could just hear silk in the winter, and I was like, wait, what's the What's in the summer? Just kidding. Anyway. All right. Cool. So round three. Bridesmaids in the same dress as the bride or getting engaged before meeting your fiance because they're in the war.
2: The second. <laughs> what is the second option again? Getting engaged before I see my fiance because he's in the war. Mm-hmm. So basically when he gets back, I already know we're engaged in things. Mm-hmm. It's so like said- your parents put this together or bridesmaids in the same dress as the bride? Mhm. <laughs> okay. Um I'm going to go with I guess finding out I'm engaged even though my man overseas cuz I mean we together <laughs> regardless so but y'all yeah, right. want my bridesmaids wearing my dress like can y'all change it up a little bit like I don't know. Right.
1: <laughs> I Love your answer to that. (laughs) Okay, well, what about you, Tania? Are you with the fiancé overseas? Y'all writing letters? Or are we all wearing the same dress as you, but you know him, and he's right here? Not in the war.
0: This is what I'm talking about. (laughs) I mean,
1: for some people, that's how it was, like, because... The goal was to be married by a certain time. And it's like, he fighting in the war. So, you know, on a certain level, he is a good man. And he's not being tempted, allegedly. Over there while he's fighting the war. Now, it depends on what country he's in and, you know. But let's just assume he's not being tempted.
0: So what are the options again? Because because I'm like... <laughs> Okay, okay, I forgot how we get to the bridesmaids being in the same dress to... I wanted
1: to provide you two very hard options that had nothing to do with each other. Because okay. most time when we do this or that, it's like, do you want this or do you want that? But it's like the thing, the circumstances are pretty much the same. It's just swapping something out. Like you get married here, or you get married there. You wearing this or you wearing that. But this one is like, think about it. Do you want all your bridesmaids in the same dress? Or do you want to be engaged, but your man's overseas in the war and you, you haven't met and him? And you don't know him.
0: You'll yes. meet him when he
1: come back. Uh, Y'all are getting to know each other through the letters.
0: You know what? This goes against what I would actually do in real life. <laughs> 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 but this is giving me, like, dear John... Um, No, no, no. no! What's the movie with uh, Michael B. Jordan? That's out right now. Um, Letters for Jordan or something like that. There you go. Yeah, this is giving me Letters (laughs) for Jordan type vibes, you know, because the baby was born. He met him like, you know, he met him and then he went off to war and he wrote this Did you
1: just spoil the movie? Because I did not know any of
0: that. Oh, my bad. Anyway, my mama has been trying to see the movie, so <laughs> don't
1: listen to this episode. I'm going to turn it off. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Tania's for it. No,
0: <laughs> no this isn't a trailer. This is all in the trailer. So I'm not giving the movie away, but I'm going to go with that. we writing letters back and forth, you know? Um, but this is not what I would do in real life, but we're going to go with that just because I really, really enjoyed that movie and, you know, it just pulled at my little heart. So yeah. Hopefully he fine. He, you know, Mm -hmm. he got abs, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully he's, he's a Michael B. Jordan type, you know, you've already gotten to know him through the letters. I mean, you got to know
1: his like true soul, how he feels. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You
1: know, especially like being faced with danger. You know, he's being real vulnerable in these letters.
0: You know what? (laughs) I (laughs) mean, no, but I will appreciate the letters because I'm not getting a hey, big head text message or not a text message in. No, I understand that. Years ago. okay. no, no, I understand (laughs) that. But like, I would prefer the letters over a. Hey big head, or what you doing type text message in 2022. All right. So what would I do? I would let the bridesmaids be
1: in the same dress. Cause it's still about me. And I could spill wine on all of their dresses.
0: So whatever. We keep it moving. We good. So even after they paid for these dresses, <laughs> you're still going to spill wine on their dresses? Are you going to get a dry clean too?
1: Purposefully, <laughs> This is a hundred something years ago. So it was probably like $5 to get dry clean. And $5 is probably a lot. Anyways, let's move it on. It was. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> final round. Final round. Getting married. So the ceremony is in a church, but the reception is in your parents' backyard. Or getting married in, or like the ceremony is in a garden, but the reception is in the basement of the restaurant you work at.
0: Tough.
2: Again, <laughs> I, knew, I, I knew for sure I was going to go with that second one. So you said the basement of the, basement. the restaurant I work. The basement. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'm just going to go with my first option, which was <laughs> in the church, uh-huh. getting married. But then in the backyard of my parents' house, it's, just, it's honestly not that bad. So mm-hmm. why not? So- okay. Sounds pretty normal, actually. So
0: yeah. Yeah. i'm also going to go with whitney and you know do the church and have the reception in my parents backyard although we'll be on a slope but it's all good okay because
1: this is not now times this is like a hundred years ago well you didn't say that this whole episode is not about (laughs) now (laughs) we talk about it's black history okay anyway I'm gonna go with y'all though, because it's probably cheaper to get married in the ceremony, in the all that, like at the church, and then go to your parents' house. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, for listeners that maybe wasn't paying attention in our intro, we are talking about post bellum. Love, marriages, weddings, all of that, even some divorce, because after slavery and after, you know, our people were emancipated, there was a lot, you know, having to like adjust to non, like not being in that life anymore, especially if you were like in that generation where... You grew up, maybe your childhood, or maybe your teen years, or maybe even like some of your young adult years, you may have been on a plantation, but now you don't have that anymore. So, whether you're first or second generation removed, there was a lot of implications. There was a lot that changed. And so, the shifts of family dynamics, the shifts of like why people got married, navigating, work and marriage and children and all of that like that's that's what we're getting into today so i'm excited again
0: i know tania excited so tania kick us off now that black people are no longer enslaved what did relationships and courtships look like
2: okay so before we even get into the question i have to set the scene of what exactly was going on Civil War, Reconstruction, in the Nadea era. So let's get clear on that. The Civil War was during the years of 1861 to 1865. After the Civil War, they um, emancipate, the slaves were emancipated at the end of the year in December, which abolished slavery in the United States of America. After the Civil War era was the Re- Reconstruction era. The Reconstruction era period lasted from 1866, so literally a year after Civil War ended, until 1876, about a uh, 10 year span. The Reconstruction period was supposed to be a time where the federal government helped freed Black men and women adjust to civilian life after being emancipated. With the passing of the 13th Amendment, which freed all slaves in the United States of America, the passing of the 14th Amendment, which would then um, consider the past enslaved. To be citizens of America, because as long as you were born on American soil, you are now considered a citizen. So that encapsulated all enslaved. And then the 15th Amendment, which was Black men can vote. Um, There seemed to be hope for the newly freed women and men, but the bubble was quickly burst, as we know. With the compromise, the South gave up the presidential seat with the promise of removal of federal troops and freedmen's bureau from the Southern states. The the Reconstruction was a failed period for Black people and led them into the darkest period of African-American history, which is called the Nadir era. The Nadir era lasted from around 1877 to 1940. So this is going to be around the period that we're talking about. We're going to talk about between 1880 and 1920. During that time, Black people were at the bottom of the bottom, even even worse than when they were enslaved because they had no legal protections, economical protections. They were just out for free land. The Ku Klux Klan was founded in the same year that the Civil War ended. So Mm. Civil War ended, Ku Klux Klan out there looking for you. You just trying to figure out, I'm a free man, I'm a free woman. What do I do now? So it got a little tricky. Um, One must Mm. understand that Black people getting married and having weddings before they were emancipated and the difference is in the legality of these marriages and policies that were enacted to keep freed people in a second-class status through legal marriage. Uh, the marrying of Black people pre-Civil Civil War in institution of marriage after the Civil War are two different things. So that's kind of what I'm going to be talking. I'm going to be talking about the institution after the Civil War. And so you have to keep in mind that Those that were in charge did not want black people. And I mean, still today, don't want them to thrive. So they threw anything and everything they could at them to make sure that they couldn't. So now going back into your question of now that they are no longer enslaved, what did the relationships and courtships look like? Um, So it depends. Um, Sometimes they were the same as well, I won't say the same, but they didn't change much after emancipation, except for the point of they now had more control over who they wanted to procreate with. They didn't necessarily have to worry about master coming in and saying, hey, you got to go over there and and you won't never see your wife again, or hey, come sleep with me. Um, And I'm not going to lie and say that that just happened across the board. Sometimes people, of course, they still overstep their boundaries, plantation owners still overstepped their boundaries um sharecroppers um the planters, the farmers the white farmers and planters they overstepped their boundaries as well but it was more it was easier some relationships decided to take an extra step in the galaxy. others decided to cohabitate so if you have some people were married before civil war ended and after the civil war they decided like hey we recognize that we were already married. We're gonna just continue our union. We don't need the legalities of things. But a lot of black people wanted to be accepted by society. So they ran to the courthouse like, yeah, let's sign these papers. Like, this is a great thing. Um, but once you look into the history, although black people, they, they were so excited to finally be accepted by society, um, white people per usual played on that and really set them up for some, 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 some stuff. Right, was, yeah, yeah, that's just the
0: history of Black marriage.
2: Ooh, I know that's a lot.
1: <laughs> but you know what? You just said so much I didn't even know. Because if you would have even asked me, like, when the KKK started, I had no idea. It was, like, basically as soon as the Civil War ended. I, In my mind, I would have assumed, you know, some decades would have passed. It would have been some in the early 1900s. So them! Racist was ready to be racist. Like no, eh? no time at all. Oh my gosh! And I never thought about like the sharecroppers raping women or like enforcing themselves or putting okay, this man has his family. And he's just trying to make an honest living and just trying to take care of them. But, you know, here comes man up the road, you know, sharecropper Johnny or whatever. And because he asked him for something earlier in the week, or because earlier in the month he asked for something and he's like, you know what, this is a way I could get what I want. Or like, you can get what you want, but you need to let me have your wife. Or you need to let me have your daughter, you know, like
2: this is wild. And another thing that I forgot to mention Ooh. was mm-hmm. that during this time period, because this was not always, but when we're, sp- when we're talking about specifically in 1880, when we get to that time period, if they, if black people decided to court, they were not allowed to procreate without a marriage license or you that's illegal. You're going to be punished. Um, so, yeah, if you wanted to date, your best bet was to go ahead and get married or else you could run the risk of becoming a criminal.
0: That is wild. Tania, you knew that? So I remember Dr. Reyes mentioning about the, about the legal paperwork, right? Like the legal paperwork that they needed because before they didn't have that. And so once uh, everything went through, they were like, OK, well, now you need to go ahead and register, you know, um, this marriage. But then I d- also remember her saying that some didn't even know, like, so if they got married, you know, on a different plantation, but then they were, let's say they were sold to a master in Mississippi, but they were originally from Georgia. You know, they didn't know if their actual husband or their wife was, you know, like, was still alive or whatever. So then they met someone else and then they kind of got married again, you know, so I knew that part. But everything else, now.
2: And that actually, that, that would be considered a double marriage. Mm-hmm. And if that first marriage would come to that second marriage, even if they all agreed to then be together, it would not be allowed anymore because of the statues and laws that they had put in place. There was before... The policymakers came in and started saying like, hey, you gotta be with one person. If you're trying to make a kid, you gotta be married. Before then, it was not uncommon for men to have multiple wives for the simple fact that they may have moved plantations, they may have went off to war, and then also for women, they could also have multiple husbands for the same thing, Their hus- they ha- may have a husband on this plantation, they may have another husband in the war. They they didn't necessarily that didn't happen all the time where everybody be together at once and it's like, oh, what's going to happen? But it did happen. And oftentimes the white person would choose who that man or woman was going to marry based off. Well, let's say for the man, the uh the white person would choose who the man was going to marry out of the women based on how many children were had by the women. So whoever had the most children, that's who the man would have to marry, because in the end, the idea was that. Whoever is not married, the government has to take care of. And they were trying to eliminate that as much as possible. I just wanted to throw that out there since you had already kind of said that.
0: Wow.
2: Now that right?
0: I didn't know. Like the economic impact
1: in allowing you to be with somebody. Like I don't like him or I don't like her, but it doesn't matter because already got four kids and her over there got one. And maybe would have had two, but one died in childbirth or something. You know, like.
0: Wow. So basically, like, they were just, you know, forcing people to Mm -hmm. go ahead and sign these documents. And essentially just get it over with or just get it done with. Because we gave you the ability to go ahead and get married. Now y'all want to be picky. So, no, we're going to make these rules and regulations for y'all. That's basically what, you know. I'm getting from that. Wow.
2: Yes. In certain instances, that is definitely what happened.
1: Okay. Ooh. Um. I just did not expect all that. Okay. So, so let's say prior to emancipation, there was a couple that was married, but then one was sold. And so the other wasn't aware of the status of their spouse. So, after emancipation say at that point they're still in childbearing years what like what happened to them next i mean were they still like i guess this is kind of one of those questions like i kind of know the answer but it's like were they you know like still low-key trying to find that other person or were they just like well you know they gone, so I guess you know I just have to like start over, like you know, not try to live in the past. Like, how did that kind of impact their relationships moving forward?
2: Yes, that definitely definitely was a case by case scenario. So some people separated from different plantations happened to find their way back after emancipation. Other times they did decide to go their own ways and start their own different families. And then there's even some stories because you remember sometimes men would go off in the Civil War. And this gets very interesting because say if you know, you're married to your husband on a plantation and then he decides to go off and fight in the Civil War. While he's out at the Civil War, he goes and takes up another wife. Emancipation is over. You, know, you now go and find your husband. You get to your husband. He's like, oh, this is my wife. And she's like, well, okay. Husband dies. Now you have two wives saying, this is my husband. This is my husband. The pension is not going to go to the first wife. It's going to go to the second. Marriage was only legal under the flag. The, the, their marriage was not legal, technically. So yeah, it, it, different scenarios for every little thing. But yeah, they, they, sometimes they decide to start on a family. Sometimes they came back together. I didn't even know they should get married in the war. That's but the, I guess um, that, was, that was one of the only ways Black people could legally marry was under the flag in the military.
0: Wow! Wow!
1: I never knew that. Wow. Okay. Ooh, I would be mad with that first wife. I
2: bruh, know, <laughs> bruh, Like we went through the trenches together, right? I knew you win. <laughs> and meanwhile, she get to uh,
1: come in afterwards.
0: not the echoing not seeing how that (laughs) I know because we still see that to this very day (laughs) exactly like I built you up I know but you wasn't with me when I was shooting the gym (laughs) 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 so do we
1: know how long and this is after emancipation so do we know like how long people recording or like how many folks they courted you know like do we have any details on kind of like what i guess that mean i mean to be honest were people even really still courting back then like or was it starting to starting to become dating
2: <laughs> like was the romance of it all starting to go away You know, I would like to believe that they courted, but unless they were someone well known and documented, like Frederick Douglass, W. B. Du Bois—well, W. B. Du Bois—not more so Frederick Douglass. um, You know, but just people that were more known and documented, um, we wouldn't really necessarily have that specific information because that's kind of that's real personal for that time period and. Like who was gonna care to be like, oh, how many people are you seeing? Oh, Okay, and when did you stop seeing him? No, right. they, didn't, they didn't care. <laughs> they did not care whatsoever. Like yeah. people, historians didn't care to record that at the time. Um, I do believe that they did start to record like things with marriage and courting, like towards uh nineteen twenties and a little bit after.
0: Okay, good to know. All right, so moving into the weddings, um, we talked about courtship, and now we're gonna be talking about weddings. So. What did weddings look like during the, this time? And then also, can you describe like the dresses, the jewelry, the celebrations, you know, like how were things, you know, back then?
2: Weddings were taken very serious and, and it was taken very serious to those who could afford it. Um, not everybody could afford a wedding, right? We we're just not that far removed from being enslaved. Um, we're also now working sharecropping and we're doing things that is not that lucrative, but Nonetheless, the ceremony was still important to Black people. To women, they took it very serious. During that time, it was a time for them to show themselves in beauty and their moral purity in a way that, you know, society didn't necessarily see them in. Women definitely didn't hesitate to take assistance from anyone. Um, They often reached out to their old mistresses. For help in, you know, finding gowns and different wedding things, they reached out to next of kin. They reached out to even their employers. So going back to that question of being in the basement, that actually probably would have happened because um, they were trying to use all of their resources that they could at the time. Because yes, the wedding was very big. The clothing, the food, the location, the audience, their vows—all of these things were very important to them. Um, if they if they were deciding to do it. Um, some didn't have a wedding while enslaved. So they did a wedding afterwards. Some had a wedding while being enslaved and said, I'm going to have an even bigger wedding. Now that I'm not, I'm going to do it without master standing right there. I'm just going to do it with us. You know what I'm saying? Um, the Freedmen's Bureau would oftentimes, and this is kind of like right at that edge of like coming into 1880 a lot of those marriages that came into 1880 they were married as a bunch like at one time like there would be this big ceremony 25 couples which is all right you're married okay you're married okay you're married and then it will just be this big party grand party for the rest of the evening and all of these things and then basically they were trying to impose the institution of marriage on the newly uh free black people and they were like you know like i said they 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 enjoyed it to one extent but then the other they really wanted to you know continue the traditions that they wanted to do without the legality of things like why do i have to go to jail if like i don't want to sign a paper like this is my wife regardless because i don't sign a paper I now have to like never see my wife again that doesn't make sense so yeah um to push black women and black men to get married to make this a thing the freedmen's bureau definitely had a hand in that often not making it you know special but just saying like hey y'all y'all marry, have a good life get on my face that
1: reminds me of like some places if you goes to the courthouse it's like a whole bunch of folks at the courthouse at the same time and they just go down like each one um or there are certain things that everyone could say in unison but i think to be recorded that you know certain parts have to be kind of individualized like okay i go through this with this couple now this couple this couple this couple that's what that sounds like to me like let's just check this box all at one time all right y'all go on so then we could schedule the next bunch to kind of all do this like
0: a lump sum wedding it's not even special and you know what it was probably inspired by that air quote movement um and so that's probably how it became a thing
1: Mm hmm. So I mean, if, if you really think about it, people that went to the courthouse were already like assumed to be in a lesser than situation. So that makes sense for it to have been something that started back then and just trickled into how we see it today.
2: And just keep in mind, a lot of this that I'm talking about is specifically to the South. I am born and raised in the South and a lot of the history I study is particularly to the South. And so, yeah, we're just we're when I'm talking about the enslaved and free people, we're talking about the South and specifically them being in rural country, dealing with agriculture and things like that. That all plays a part into why the Freedmen's Bureau was forcing people to be married or forcing black people to get married, as well as um, the tendency that we'll get to talk about.
0: Yeah. So how old were people getting married?
2: They were getting married very young due to the fact that women were often barred from labor unless they were married. Um, when you look at the data, one would think that black people were happier or falling in love more or something like that. But the reality is during that time, because um, there were poor whites as well, black people weren't the only people that were sharecroppers, there were white sharecroppers as well. But the difference was, is that white people, they would do their time, they would spend their time sharecropping, saving up their money, and then they were able to go buy land. Because of that, they were able to hold off on marriage, knowing that they were going to Create stability to then get married. Black people, they did not have any claim to anything. Like, they were just, just sharecropping. That's it. You can't buy land. You can't own property. You can't... You 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 only, you only, you only could do it within this contract. And if you looked at the contract, it really was nothing. Like, you're still a slave, but we just can't say that. So, sign the paper. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So, black people was like, what's the weight? There's, there's no weight. There's no weight in getting married. I mean, I'm not... I don't have nothing to... I don't have anything to accumulate. Like, I'm going to be here today and 50 years from now, like, we, let's just, just do it. What are we waiting on? Um, so that was that was a big play into marrying when they were young. The more counties relied on tenant farming, the more common marriage was among their youngest and oldest African-American residents. And when we're talking about tenant farming, again, I'm talking about sharecropping. Um, specifically in the South, because after the Civil War, the South was in ruins, right? We fought the Civil War on U.S. soil, specifically in the South. They got their ass beat, okay? They got their ass whooped, and they were sad. They was hurt. They was like, what are we going to do? Like, oh my gosh, our roads are a mess. We don't have no money. We don't got no free labor. Like, and you know, they low-key conspired with the North. And He was like, you know what y'all can do is And so then they drew up some stuff and what started, they started it off with like squad labor, but two things were wrong with that. For one, the plantation or didn't necessarily like it because he had to pay for an overseer. It was just about, it was like a group of free people just working a plot of land. And for the black people, they was like, this ain't really no different than slavery. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. None of these people. I'm just working this plot of land for some random white man. Like, what is this really doing for me? And they didn't have. And because they were free, they could literally leave. And like the white man would just be like, damn, I'm still paying for this overseer. So what ended up happening is they started to switch to more of a family dynamic because with the family, you now had a little bit more control. You had when you have a family out in the field, um, you now have people who are caring for each other. And it's like, hey. Don't do that. Like, you know, we got to do this and do that. Like versus I don't know you. I'm not talking to you. I'm just doing my work. And then you're not really doing what the white man wants you to do. You're not getting as much work done as you could versus a family. And also with the family, you don't necessarily have to hire an overseer because they are each other's overseer.
1: What impact did tenancy have on women in marriage?
2: So what happened was, is that these young women, free women, black men were free, women were free. I'm single. You single. I'm going to go look for a job. You'll look for a job. But the thing is, is that the women would come up to these white farmers and the white farmers was like, I ain't signing no contract with no black woman. I only want somebody who has a husband and they wanted somebody with the husband because they were able to be controlled so much. So that in the contracts in their labor contracts, it would detail the control that the husband would have over his wife and children if he did not carry out the things that were in that contract, just, just imagine what would happen. Like, yeah, so women were barred from working. So they usually found a man like, hey, that was, that was pretty much their way into the labor labor force is to find a husband and start working with their husband. But a lot of times because of the um, white farmers doing their part in making sure that black people came to see, he did little things to like, keep them husband and wife probably not just at the best that they could be, but I mean, we're still here today. So clearly something worked.
0: Of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, wild, I know like just to, just to see where we are today, especially black women are pretty much running things these days. And so just to hear about that contract and the husband had control that just doesn't sit right with me and my soul. <laughs> Honestly, it's such a blessing how far we've come.
1: Yeah. You know what? I never realized this, but I thought women didn't start working until like the 50s or 60s. I don't know why I thought that. I thought everybody was stay at home wives.
2: White women, perhaps.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And I remember like being taught that, that, you know, like after a certain point, you know, especially I think what the second war kind of started to trigger some of yeah. that because I yeah. had to pay these bills um, and somebody had to keep the household running, mm-hmm. but it never clicked that that was just white women, which is wild. Of course it is. Of course we, we've been working for hundreds of years. Like,
0: but, yeah. Why yeah. did you ever
2: think there was a break?
1: <laughs> right, right. Why, why would it be? Why would we get that? That's a luxury. That's wild. But yeah,
0: we've always been working, working hard. We fight through the pain. Yeah, yeah. There's so many men that's like, I could never go through what you go through, you know, or like I could never work through pain. Meanwhile, do you know how many times where we had to go to work sick and still perform? It may not have been at 100%, but it was probably a good 95%. <laughs> yeah,
1: we, because I even think, I mean, men now, they, they get fake sick, you know, a little tickle in they throw or something. And then they can't do nothing. They all exactly. laid it out. And it's like, we have to work and there is blood flowing outside of us (laughs) we are in pain (laughs) right now like but okay relax anyway (laughs) um so let's talk about divorce because that was a thing people were getting divorced so like not even, like, if you know anything about, like, the divorce rates, if we have any of that information, but even if not, and Tania, I'm taking your question, so why were people getting a divorce? Like, talk us through some of those implications.
2: People were getting divorced for the same reasons they were getting married, the tendency, They got married because they wanted to work, and then the women would leave because it's just like, bruh. I can't stand this subordinate status that I'm in. I literally have no control over my life. Like, even if they were able to start to establish a relationship with their husband, the system, right, it's just, it just wasn't going to work. Not for the black woman. It just it became too much for some black women, rather. If they wanted more, they did. a lot of times black women would leave and go to the city. Remember, we're talking about rural areas. Um, so they would leave and go to the city. Also, the women who didn't marry, who were out and felt pressured to marry in the rural areas, would just migrate to the city like it's nothing. Um, policy made it really hard for them to divorce as well. Remember, the white man's goal is to keep all of them together so they are responsible for their poorness. It ain't the government fault. Y'all were married. Y'all are family. You should have been making your money and doing what you need to do. At the point where you're not. Well, actually, that's not even a thing because that's just, you'll be in You'll be cast out. You'll be ostracized out of the community. Like just all of these bad things. They just make them feel so like if I divorce, then I'm just, I have no reason to live anymore. And that's just what, that wasn't the case. Um, but like I said, they definitely mind control in regards to y'all need to get together. And once you get together, there is no separating, no matter what, it doesn't matter. And if you do separate, you're probably going to get into some legal trouble. like it, it, Because during that time, there were so many codes. There were so many things that you could not do. Like you couldn't be outside at night uh, without this piece of paper. You couldn't sell your own farm produce at this certain time. You couldn't be just walking down the street on a regular Saturday. Like there was just so many different things. So imagine if you got a divorce and now you're like not with your family and you kind of you you out in the streets trying to figure it out. Well now you in jail because you ain't supposed to be out in the streets. Like I don't care about none of that. You need to be on somebody's sharecropping land or somebody's house because yeah you're doing too much. No black I don't want to see no black people. If you out in my view, you're going to jail. That's pretty much what it was. (laughs)
1: That's wild. That's wild. Well, this is not really wedding related, but I'm curious what other jobs did were available or that one could hold in that time frame Because I would imagine not everybody was sharecropping, but, or like, you know, having a, I mean, I guess the majority probably were, but like
2: at that time, telling, telling the different things. Um, but like I said, if they didn't want to do that, they did try to go to the city. So then that's where you get your blacksmiths and things. But for the most part, um, you would have like sharecroppers and then like different, and I wish I could think of, but different, different occupations surrounding rural life. Um, some people's jobs as it is today was just to be a snitch. Literally black people would snitch on others. Like, yeah, they've been shacking up and they ain't got no marriage license. And sometimes it was done. Sometimes it was, it was snitching. They ain't have no good intent on it. But then sometimes others like preachers and, you know, people who really just wanted black people to be seen in a better light. They really Sometimes they snitched in the idea of, oh, I just want them to follow the rules. Like, you guys are holding us back because you you won't get married, you know? Like, all they do is want us to get married. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. You're already married. Why don't you sign the paper? So I'm going to tell them because you need to sign this paper.
1: And one thing you said before that when we were talking about the divorce, that also... So with the whole legality part of it, that makes me think, is that the reason why... In decades to come that you had these men with families in these two different cities or different towns because you know let me have something over here let me have something over here but I don't want to get in trouble you know I want to mess up what's over here but that one time I drove into town or that one time I went over (laughs) over there you know I saw a little red bone.
2: <laughs> For real though? Um, I can't. <laughs> That's wild. Right. Not the red bone. Not the red bone.
0: <laughs> I know. I saw
2: Mulatto, he saw him a lot. He saw a lot.
1: Exactly. Oh my goodness. I want us to dive more into whew, there's just so much the history of like the families and like the dynamics and whatnot and how. I think there's also a time frame where Black women start to get a little bit more independent and we start to see them being more of like the head of the household, which of course also means the rise of single parenthood and whatnot. But I think a lot of that is good information for us to know and just have about the history of like how we have come to be how we are now. So we'll definitely have to dive into that. I don't want this to be a thing where like we only talk about and We wouldn't because that's not in us anyway, but where we only talk about black history in February because that's what they do. (laughs) (laughs) You get it. So um, that was great though, Whitney. We appreciate that. We'll have you back. We'll have you back.
2: Definitely. Thank you. you. I really appreciate it. I definitely had so much fun talking to you all and also doing you know
0: my research I had to yeah. get into it so I can come to <laughs> you. Know, dope history. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So now we're gonna move into the wedding vendor love, and this is where we ask you, our guests, to go ahead and give us, you know, um, a wedding vendor or anyone within the industry that you may want to highlight, or you just really really love their work, and you just want to just let them know how well they're doing or you know or let us know that they're doing great work within this community um because as you all know like this is what this is why we started this podcast and so um we give you the opportunity to highlight people that we may not even know about so yeah so that's what this is and so whitney who would you like to shout out today
2: I would like to shout out my dad. I spoke to Ashley earlier and I told her that my dad actually was a wedding videographer slash photographer for about 30 years. He just recently retired to continue his other three businesses full time. Um, And so what I'm shouting him out for, he is a a licensed marriage family therapist. And so I want to highlight him so you can go to him for marriage counseling, handle or company name is a better family now and it's spelled exactly how i said it a better family now and his name is clifton brantley um again we're in houston texas and he is a licensed marriage family
0: therapist yeah perfect so ashley who would you like to shout out this week
1: This week, I am shouting out a wedding planner based in Oregon. Her name is Cherish Simpson, and she is the owner and lead planner over Dream Weddings and Events. Um, Dream Weddings and Events uh, specializes in creating memorable weddings and events with creativity and attention to detail so that your special occasion will be talked about long after the last guest leaves. I love that she thinks about that. Um, Her work is beautiful. She has worked with a variety of couples in terms of styles, ethnicities, all of that. So if you are in the Oregon area and you are in need of a planner or even a destination planner, I will look up Cherish with a dream weddings and events. All right. Well, where can they find you if they want to get more history?
2: Well, if you want to see me in the physical, if you come to the H, Houston, Texas. down here in the South. You can pull up to the Houston Museum of African American Culture. That's where you'll catch the dopest Historian on Fridays and Saturdays. Just kicking it at the Livest Museum in Houston. And then if you want to follow me on social media, specifically Instagram, you can follow me at dope.itshistory, so D-O-P-E. Then there's a period in there, and then I-T-S history. And then if you want to follow my more historian, like I'm showing myself as the historian. I've just started this this year. It's the, the dopest historian. I consider myself the dopest historian. So I've separated the history content versus me being the historian.
1: Love
0: that. I Love it. <laughs> yes. love it.
1: Follow both of her accounts, everybody. Please do so. You will not regret it. So Whitney again, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. This has been a great conversation. And your first answer, I learned so much. (laughs) So I already knew, like, oh, this was going to be really good. And I'm hoping that our listeners feel the same way. I'm pretty sure they will. But again, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us.
2: Thank you, thank you. Happy Black History Month. Keep it, yes. y'all. Like you said, y'all not gonna just keep it in February. We going maybe y'all do some for Dope History Month, which is in August.
0: Ooh, Ooh. I didn't okay. know that there was a Dope History Month. Okay, yes.
1: <laughs> love that. Yes, yes. And we will probably bring you back on to talk more about our history because it's not even just us that's listening. We have a wide variety of listeners and supporters. And I think if you are following "Who I do, and listening to you, I do, there is a certain love and appreciation that you have with Black people. And so you are also taking these episodes away and understanding, like, we're just thinking from a time, you know, kind of appreciation and just understanding the privilege we have because we're adults in 2022 y'all got a whole different level (laughs) of an appreciation that you can take away from this episode so we hope that everyone enjoyed and i'm pretty sure they did so thank you again if you ever wanted to find anyone that has ever been shouted out on this show and all 300 plus wedding vendors that have been shouted out, which is a wild to even think of, but you will be able to find them on find.uido.com. So if you don't remember what we said, or you're listening to an episode later and you want to look that person up, or maybe you don't remember how to spell their name or what have you you can always go there and easily find them. So just a little mental note. But Tania, where can
0: people find us? You can find us on huido.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok. And you can find Ashley at Demi Tosh on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me at Bill Bellsoree on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you again. We'll be back. See y'all next week.